Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 8.55 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. I'm struggling with my mental health. I'm concerned about my loved one and need support for myself. I need someone to speak to, but I don't want to burden my family and friends. The experience of mental illness can be emotional, challenging and isolating, but you don't have to go through it alone. Hello, Helpline. Helpline is an information support and referral service. Our trained volunteers all have a personal experience of mental illness and are here to listen, understand and help. Our service is free, confidential, and you can call us from Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm. If you have a mental illness, know someone who does, or just need someone to speak to, call Helpline on 84864222. That's 84864222. My fellowship is a 3CR supporter. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. I'm Serena and today I'll be on the panel and Terry is interviewing. Our guest is Simon Duffy, the Director of the Centre for Social Welfare Reform, an independent think tank and research centre based in the UK. Simon is a philosopher and social innovator who works to improve the welfare state. He is a regular public speaker, consultant and international government policy advisor. At VicServe's Mental Health Conference in May, Simon delivered a keynote address titled Being a True Equal, Citizenship, Contribution and Mutual Support Under the Modern Welfare State. Terry spoke to him following his speech. Okay, so thanks very much for making time to speak with Brainwaves 3CR, Simon. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm speaking with Dr Simon Duffy from Sheffield in the UK. He is the Chief Executive Officer of a company... The Centre for... Yes. Or we don't go as grand as Chief Executive Officer. I'm just the Director of it. Okay. Well, the Director. But certainly someone that is invited around the world to speak with uh, large, large conferences. So it's highly respected around the world. Um, Thanks for being here, Simon. Here he is at the airport prior to returning to the UK after just a week. That's right. I wonder how you're not still uh, jet lagging. Well, it's uh, it's the adrenaline, the excitement, the stimulation of the company kept me fully awake. Good for you. Okay, now you made a magnificent keynote speech at the VicServe's Mental Health Conference Thursday and Friday last week. Uh, that mental health conference was devoted towards recovery and your opening speech was uh, being a true equal, 
citizenship, contribution and mutual support under the modern welfare state. For me, it was a, a fantastic speech and so eloquent. Uh, Dr Simon Duffy has a PhD in moral philosophy, so there's a lot of deep thought going into underpinning his work. Um, maybe you did say that mental health improves in a decent society and in strong communities and good family lives. Could that be an opening point for you to elaborate further on what you said on Thursday? For sure. Um, well, I suppose one of the things I was trying to say to the conference, the conference was made up of um, mostly service providers. I think there were some people with mental health lived experience there too. Um, but I was trying to say to people, I suppose in the service provider world particularly, where there's lots of money and... Um, you know, there's been a history of funding and these organisations are uh, championing mental health. I was saying, well, we know lots of the evidence is that mental health is damaged by injustice. Um, the injustice of inequality, the injustice of prejudice. Um, it's also damaged when families are forced to live in poverty or where there's lots of conflict. And so there's lots of it's complicated, but there are lots of things we know um, about society and community that really help improve mental health. But I was really saying to the conference, too often our attention's not on those things. Our attention becomes about the services, the systems, the funding, and not the things that really improve mental health. So it was a kind of challenge to, I, I said, go upstream to where problems are really solved. Yes, you did talk about uh, the meaning of citizenship as uh, how important it was for people to be true equals with each other. Um, and yes, you did talk about going upstream. Um, I'm wondering whether you could elaborate further um, to the concept of being a true equal when we're in the framework of people who've got psychiatric disability. Yeah, so one of the things, I, the word citizenship is obviously, like any word, you can stretch it in good directions or bad directions, so words aren't guarantees that they'll be used well. So when I talk about citizenship, I suppose I'm trying to use a word that's got a very long history, and I'm trying to, in a way, claim it for a good purpose. So I'm not saying... I'm not talking about citizenship like, oh, only Australians with Australian passports are good people and keep out refugees. I'm saying, actually, citizenship in its true best meaning is about how do we live together as equals. If we live together as equals, we have to value each other. And if we value each other, then we have to pay attention to the things that build respect between us. So... I, I like this idea because I think that the world is made up of people who are all wonderfully different and that in that difference we need to cherish that difference and yet at the same time we need to see each other as equals. That's something that feels complicated, it feels contradictory. Citizenship is, if you like, the way in which we combine those two contrary qualities because it's basically saying 
If you just imagine a group of people who are all different coming together, saying, right, we're going to treat each other as equals. That's what community is. At its best, community is a group of people coming together and saying, we're going to treat each other as equals. We can do that in a small community. We can do that, you know, a group of friends can just behave in that way. But we can also do it in our wider communities, our neighbourhoods, our cities, and ultimately we can do it in our societies, in our countries around the world by having justice and good arrangements that are fair for everybody concerned. Okay, so going back into um, our audience with brainwaves, people who have a lived experience of um, mental health disability or their carers, um, can you elaborate further on um, how this concept of citizenship and true equality um, is something to consider when we're talking about the tension between an individual approach to supporting these people versus a universal service? Oh gosh, okay. So, well I suppose that what I've learned I, I, I've, I'm, not, I'm not really having spent a lot of time working with people with mental health problems. I've more been welcomed in to their communities. And um, so I guess this is an observation of somebody who I don't think I would describe myself, although I'm never sh quite sure what mental health means at some level, but I don't think I have that label of uh, having had lived experience. But I know lots of people who have. And I, and I suppose some of the most impressive things I've seen in my life in terms of mutual support have been where people with that lived experience, people often in, even in real great distress, have supported each other. So what I've seen is people come together in community themselves. Some of the most impressive things I've seen are when people with mental health problems have stuck by other people in times of distress and they've pulled them through. So I suppose I'm just really struck by the power of that because often it seems to me the when somebody feels alone and they may be surrounded by services and they may be surrounded by things that cost lots of money uh, and they may have this label of you know mental illness hung around their necks, very quickly I think the system will tend to treat that person as passive, as a patient, as somebody who there might be lots of sympathy or pity but they miss the person, they miss the power of the person, they miss the potential contribution of that person. When that person comes into community, then that contribution can come to life, that, that person can start to flower again, can, can start to see their own strength. For all their lived experience, it doesn't magic away mental health problems, it doesn't magic away feelings of pain or loneliness or distress. Um, but the, but the person can start to appear. That's very difficult in services. Um, it's very difficult in individualised services. It's very difficult in badly run congregate services. It's, it's almost that kind of power thing that gets yes. in the way. Yes. I, I really loved your story of Nan and Christy and how Nan was thinking about she wanted to move into independent accommodation I think she had learning disabilities and her worker couldn't work out why she wasn't taking that leap. And I think somehow maybe you were involved and it, 
would you like to tell the story in the key, the crux of the solution for Nan? Yeah, so Nan was somebody where somebody with a disability, but everybody was saying, oh, you know, as they do, Nan needs to be more independent. Nan should make this decision or that decision. And, oh, there's a problem that Nan isn't being decisive enough. That was how it was presented to me. And, and oh, so you were invited in to help solve this Yes, situation. that's right. That's right. So, and I suppose when I met Nan, I thought, well, Nan actually seems to be a very good shopper, but she's being put under a lot of pressure to make decisions in a way that didn't really feel very fair. And so I, I had this idea that maybe if we gave Nan more information, took the pressure away, because it's really, it's not good, is it? To, I mean, this whole idea that I know what's... I mean, it was like, Nan, you should make this choice. There's an irony there, isn't it? Nan, you should make this choice. Well, what kind of choice is that? And this is, this is somebody who, yes, she had a disability, but she is a woman with talents and she was good at making choices in other parts of her life. So in my view, she needed the pressure taken off she needed a chance to look at her options. And what was really striking about it was eventually, under her own steam, in her own pace, she decided to do something that nobody else would have picked for her, which was to live with her friend, Christine, who had Down syndrome, and they left the hostel together to, to live in a flat together. And, yeah, I suppose it was what was really touching to me was just that in a way, Nan chose love. She didn't choose independent living. She didn't choose the thing that other people were saying was the choice she should make. She chose love, connection. relationship, connection, yes. And she chose it on her own time. And that was what I was trying to say to all the professionals involved. Stop pressurising her. Because any of us know, if we think about it, that, you know, once somebody's saying... What's the game when somebody's saying, it's time for you to be independent? Do you know what I mean? It's... <laughs> that's a very artificial thing it's not how we really should treat each other we, we need to start by saying you know, this is your life when you're ready we'll be there to help you make the changes you need to make that's a beautiful story and congratulations on helping Nan sort that out um, and I do love that concept of maybe more empathy for people with differences for diverse people and helping them work towards their, their solutions. I did love a, a statement you made in your keynote address of that citizenship is a public face of love. I wondered whether you might like to elaborate a little bit further about that. Yeah, so, okay. And this, I suppose this is the, for me, the real heart of it, but we, we don't like talking about love very much, <laughs> generally, I think, in, in human services. And when we start talking about disability or mental health, everybody gets uncomfortable, particularly professionals. People start talking about professional boundaries. and so. But really, um, I think we all know that love is the most important thing. If we think about our own lives, I think it's a rare person who wouldn't recognize at some level it's the love of others, it's their love for others, it's the, it's, it, the force of love that is the most important thing. Now, of course, love has different faces. Um, there's kind of sexual love and relationships, there's maternal and paternal love and family. Um, but there's a kind of love that I suppose I think of as the, the public love, the love of citizenship, the love that we need to bring to each other in our 
in a just society. That, that's what's going on. In a just society, we treat each other well. And that's what I mean by the public form of love. It's, um, so it, it, it does feel different to friendship and to, to family and to relationships. But it is still love. It is welcoming the stranger amongst our midst, treating them with respect, supporting them to develop as a full human being. Those are all aspects of love. And necessary for human beings to develop their potential, really. Basic. I guess it's almost taking us to Marlowe's hierarchy of needs, isn't it? Love comes before self-actualisation. I think love comes before everything, in a way. It's the foundation for all human life. It's the foundation for everything that we ever achieve. I, one of my heroes is a thinker called John O'Brien and his, he said that, um, I think he was quoting a psychologist who'd said that there's no human development without irrational attachment um, and, and John had converted that into, you know, so people don't grow unless somebody's crazy about them and I think that is basically That's true. Yeah. The people don't grow and don't develop and don't heal unless somebody else is crazy about them. Um, now, you did make the comment that neoliberal approaches are very, or can be, very dangerous. Could you elaborate further on that? Yeah, no, well, I suppose I'm, I mean, I'm coming, I'm flying back very shortly to my home country, um, where we've got a very right-wing government, um, very right-wing government. Um, they've made vicious cuts in funding for support for people with disabilities, for people with mental health problems. They've also used very vicious language. Behind this lurks, I mean, neoliberalism is a bit of an ugly term itself, a bit confusing, but I think lurks two dangerous ideas that are, are wandering around the modern world. One of those ideas is that everything's about economics. You've got to, everything's about earning money and um, everything's about competing and everything's about markets and businesses. Well, it's just not true and it's a dangerous lie. Um, but the other, even more dangerous belief that lurks sometimes under this label of neoliberalism is that only the smartest, best, greediest, biggest, most successful people are important and that everybody else is really not necessary. Um, again, this is, these are kind of crazy beliefs. I don't know who the... You know who brought these folk up who believe these things but the, 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 this kind of dangerous belief that life is almost a kind of crazy competition that, uh, that, that actually it's about breeding the, the greediest and the most powerful and that they should achieve the most and push down the weakest these are kind of vicious beliefs they're, they're very dangerous toxic beliefs and they lurk they look and can have contributed to significant numbers of people developing mental health conditions yeah I think I think I think that this sense of life as a mad competition is a contributory factor because people start to feel themselves in this race you can't but you can't almost absorb but absorb some of this and then when when as inevitably happens shit happens life goes wrong you know, you have a failure, you're seen to have a failure, 
your business goes, you lose your job, the relationships breaks down, then in a world where this is all perceived to be, well, that's your fault, you're a failure, this is all, so, oh, well, and, you know, you deserve what's happening to you. If that's how the world's processing everything, how are you not going to amplify all that in your soul, in your brain, in your heart? It's going to cripple you, I think. So, yeah, I think it's a dangerous belief for everybody, but it's very dangerous for anybody who's feeling vulnerable, who's feeling a, a little bit fragile, who's had a few hard knocks. And there's one last point that I'd really like to explore further with you, was that um, you were very um, insistent about, and I think it's a very powerful comment that you make, that choice of services does not equal personal choice. I think you also said something about options being the opportunity to convert things into real change in your life. And I'm wondering if you could explore that further in the context of our Towards Recovery VicServe Mental Health Conference. Okay, well, and I suppose the context for me here is a little bit about the way in which systems are changing. So. I mean, people at the conference are very concerned because the national disability insurance schemes systems are starting to um, change the way mental health services work. Um, and there are other reforms that are intended to bring to give people choice over services. And my comments are really, I'm not against choice over services, actually, but it's, it's simply that people are kind of missing the point um, I think there's far too much focus on uh, almost different services trying to compete with each other. Who's going to pick us? Are people going to not pick us? And people are missing what is really important about these kind of reforms. Why people with disabilities have fought for the right to control the funding for services is because they want good lives. They want to flourish. They want recovery. It's why also why many people with mental health problems have fought for this right to control. Um, recovery, however we understand it, is about getting your life going in a good direction. It's about being the person you need to be in the world. That involves all sorts of choices and changes, and, and, and I like to think of it more about having freedom and control, the freedom to express who you are. Now, that's, as I say, it's about small things, it's about big things, it's about the adventure of life. It isn't really about picking, I don't know, I can't remember the names of all the services. Nimai versus Wellways. Exactly. It's, not a, it's much more about saying, I think it's saying to professionals and services, can you be a decent partner? Can you be a partner with me on this journey? Can you help me when I need that bit of extra assistance? Um, people... People don't want to be left alone. People value um, good professional assistance, but not in a way where the professional takes control. Um, and so it's, it's and a challenge. Empty and alone after the professional walks away. I wonder whether it's about helping those people become integrated into flourishing com communities that, yeah. that are meaningful to them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, exactly. Professionals come and go. That's the nature of them. What people need are lives, and lives take place in communities, they take place in families, they take place in peer, connective groups. These are the things that we need to be growing and paying attention to. 
And that's the challenge for professionals is if they're going to do their job right, they need to pay attention to those things. Okay, thank you very much. You've been listening to Dr Simon Duffy, a um, leader in the uh, movement for welfare reform, uh, over as a keynote speaker for the Vic Services Mental Health Conference held in Melbourne, 19th, 20th of May, 2016. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you. That was Terry speaking to Simon Duffy. That's all for this episode of Brainwaves. You can listen to podcasts of our show at brainwaves.org.au. Feel free to send us any feedback or suggestions for shows via email at brainwaves at mifellowship.org. Thanks for listening and tune in next week at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves. Stay tuned for The Renegade Economist. Until next week, it's goodbye from the team at Brainwaves. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.